everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. And we got a long awaited episode here, man. You know, when, when Wakanda Forever was coming out, I know you and I talked about what other films we could pair up with it. Um, I don't think Glass Onion would have been a bad one to do since we already did Knives Out and do like long awaited sequels. Um, but I think it is better off that we do like one versus two so that we do basically Chadwick as the person carrying the film or carrying in the lead role versus Letitia Wright carrying the lead role in this sequel. Right. And this is one of those rare cases where when an actor passes on, uh, they don't immediately recast them. They decide to honor yes. that character in the movie as they had passed on as well and continue the franchise without them. Uh, it's a very hard decision, especially with a character like Black Panther, who is a major introduction to the MCU as a black superhero. And Absolutely. for them to kind of go the path of, you know, we won't just straight out replace this character. We're going to kind of try and create a new legacy for this franchise. It's a yeah. huge risk. It is a huge risk. Um, but I think it's a risk that uh, as we get into it, it works for the film, but then there are so there are some other kind of issues I got, but they're nitpicky. Uh, off the top, people, please like and share and subscribe. Please understand that when we get to kind of further, we are going to talk about we're all going to talk some spoilers. That's what we yeah. do here. We're going to get into a lot of spoilers. I don't see how we can talk about this movie without getting into spoilers. Right, right, right. If you haven't seen this film uh go watch it and come back and watch this video because when we get to uh, wf we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff a lot of in-depth stuff and you know do as we do here at dfe and uh you know smile bicker argue and laugh uh all right i'm excited man you you want to take over the first one uh, i can definitely take over the first one so with uh, the movie Black Panther, directed by Ryan Coogler, we are introduced to the world of Wakanda. Uh, previously, in other movies, we had seen uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, uh, played by Chadwick Boseman, in the movie uh, Civil War, or Captain America Civil War. And we had seen yeah. references to Wakanda pop up in the Iron Man movies. We had seen it come up with Ulysses Claw referencing Vibranium in Age of Ultron. But this was the first time we actually got to go in and see Wakanda as it is. And we see what is going on with Wakanda with uh, T'Challa taking over the crown as king of Wakanda after his father had passed away in the previous Captain America Civil War movie, as well as dealing with the new uh, threat of Killmonger, who is his cousin, uh, who has returned unbeknownst to him to reclaim the throne in his honor to use the country of Wakanda's technology to bring a new age to the world. Yeah. 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 It's pretty much, uh, pretty much clear cut. Uh, the synopsis, man, when I first saw this first film, dude, the one thing I remember aside from it being a, a cultural touchstone and like, you know, superhero films, because the last big starring black superhero we had 
was was Blade. Yeah. You know, like like the last big one we had before this movie was Blade. And I remember back when I was doing my other podcast called Can We Talk uh, before you and I met, uh, we had decided as an episode to like review this movie and talk about how everything led up to this, like from like Storm and X-Men, uh, Blade, uh, uh, Damon Wayans, Blake, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, wow, that's like, a deep cut one. <laughs> that's a deep cut one. And, and uh, you know, it, it, we did how it led up to this. And I remember we we all got tickets to go see the movie. And then after the movie was done, we would go over to Podcast Detroit to record the episode. So that's that was basically our plan. That's what we did. And I remember sitting in MJR and I'm sitting in the row right before the uh, the trailer starts and everything. I look over at my friends. I got my wife and my mother-in-law sitting to the left of me. I say to my friends, yo, what if this movie sucks? <laughs> Like, what, what are we going to talk about? What if this movie sucks? And, you know, thank God it, did, it, it, it didn't suck as a movie. But I just had that little bit of anxiety before it started. Dude, this is just a this is a fun movie to watch, dude. It, it is. And it definitely captures what uh, the comics have for Wakanda. Because going into this movie, uh, the things that I wanted to see were... Wakanda actually being a superpower, uh, Wakanda's technology being this kind of mix of cultural references as well as super mm-hmm. tech. Um, I don't want to say like 80s futuristic, but they always had that 80s futuristic vibe to their technology in the comics. And I love that kind of vibe that it has. And they pulled it off very well in the movie. And especially when you have like... Uh, you know the different weapons that are kind of blended into their clothing. You have the necklace. What do you mean by eighties? Like if you think of like futuristic, like think of like Back to the Future's mm. version of the future, where you have like flying right. cars and everything's like this very like neon-y kind of vibe to it. Where it, it's not how the future hmm. is, but it's how people perceive the future. It's like concept art of like cars that are like, this is the future of cars. And it's all sleek and like a single unibody kind of design that's and everything. Take. Uh, but that's, that's an interesting take. Yeah, but that's how it is like in the comics. It's a very like, uh, here's what we perceive the future to be in technology. That's what Wakanda's technology is. Yeah, you know, breaking it down... Um, you know, following uh, director Ryan Coogler from where he came uh, before he directed this, I think he had came from Fruitvale Station, which was his debut hit with Michael B. Jordan in the lead role. Mm-hmm. Then he had did Creed with Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone, part of the Rocky Balboa uh, universe. And coming into this, man, you, you could tell like this. He had so much money at his disposal for Marvel, and it, it was just put to such great use, like the production design. You know, the, um, everything you talked about with the, the flying cars and the technology of Wakanda, like, they put a lot of money in, into everything done in this movie. I know there's a lot of, we'll get to it, I know there's a lot of dispute and stuff about the final battle scene in, mm. in, in this film. It, it, it's a little rough. It's a little rough. <laughs> but up until that point, the movie's great. Um, you know, it, it, starting off with the acting, you know, Chadwick Boseman, I think the reason people love him so much is Black Panther Yes, in reality, you can't recast him. It's a character. You know, it's not like he was really T'Challa in real life. But the way he embodies T'Challa with his charm and, and dignity, like, you know, Chadwick Boseman plays his roles with dignity 
in mm-hmm. honor. Like, you know, he, he's a guy you respect and he's a guy you root for and he's a true hero. He's a he's a three dimensional hero. You know, he had he has probably he he loves his father, but there's unresolved issues of how he looks at his father in his eyes like he like his father isn't the hero he thought he was as the film goes on and you go deep into the backstory and all that um and that's palpable you know that that that's palpable uh uh gravitas that's palpable emotional gravitas you can bring to that role and i think that's why people love chadwick so much in this role and equal to that we got one of the best if not I don't know. We're going to talk about Namor, but up to this point, probably the best Marvel villain in the whole series up to this point. uh, Killmonger. I I would agree. Uh, Up to this point in the MCU, basically every villain and Killmonger still kind of falls into this kind of uh, trope that Marvel started where everybody is the anti-hero where you have here's Iron Man versus anti-iron man you know here's you know captain america versus the red skull here's so they always had these characters that were basically the antithesis of them you know ant-man's villain was literally somebody that was doing the same thing but his costume was a wasp (laughs) you know like it's that that was marvel at the time but the difference was Killmonger, they built him up from the start of the movie so that you could relate to him a little bit better. It wasn't he was after power. It wasn't that he was after some kind of world domination. Uh, this is personal. It, it was personal. Uh, his father had been killed by the king of Wakanda, uh, his own brother. And he had rightful heir to the throne, but he was an unknown. Uh, He worked his way to be able to fight for Wakanda's power for himself to be able to liberate everybody that was being oppressed around his neighborhoods and that people that he lived with. And so it's a very personal story. And you have him being the villain of the story as kind of the extreme to the situation where the mm-hmm. previous extreme with uh, the old king before T'Challa took over uh, under Ch- T'Chaka's rule uh, was to completely hide in Wakanda, keep their resources to themselves and not interfere with any of the outside world. So yeah. with T'Challa taking over, he now had like his father's ideology behind him that he kind of wanted to keep going. And then all of a sudden you have uh, Killmonger coming in as the complete opposite of that, going, no, we need to use this power to take over the world before they can take us over because they will fear us the second that you come out of the shadows, which he was right. Uh, as we see like future movies in the MCU and everything like that. And a prominent story in Wakanda forever is that as soon as other countries realize the power of Wakanda, it became, you guys are a threat to the world now. You know, you aren't an ally yeah. to the world. You're a threat to all of us outside of Wakanda. Right, right. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about Killmonger is that it's such a terrific performance. Like, um, you know, some villain performances up until this point, like I liked. Um, I mean, I, I just like Mickey work. I liked Mickey work in mm-hmm. Iron Man 2 as Shocker. Uh, you know, you can name a handful of other villains here and there. I liked um Who's my man from the blacklist? James Spader uh, as oh, Ultron. Yeah. You know, but it's like 
I, I don't think a performance in the MCU up to this point, we're not talking about Thanos, was like this great in like such a commanding force as Michael B. Jordan. Like he he for for a few minutes that he was on screen, he he stole the show from Chadwick and everybody. Because you, you were just like you were just like entranced because we never seen Michael as a villain like this before. You know, he's always the hero, the good guy in the movie. And um he played it so well and you understood the villain's motivations. Yeah, you know he, what I mean? He absolutely did. He made Killmonger into his own character that if you flip the story and made it from Killmonger's perspective instead of from this perspective of Wakanda, it, he's the hero of the story still, too. Yeah. He doesn't play a direct villain. He is just the villain of this story. Absolutely. And, yes, yeah, so going from that, man, we also got another villain. That I, I just love this villain because he's so fun. Like Andy Circus Claw is so fun in this movie. You could tell he's having a, a just a ball of a time in his scenes. Oh yeah. Um I can honestly say while watching this movie the first time, uh, when they get to the scene where Killmonger kills him off, the first thing I thought was, Fuck! No! I liked him! Why would you yeah, do I this? Missed, I missed him. Like I was like, Man, I want him to stick around a little bit. You know, because yeah. he's so fun. Like Andy Circus puts so much energy into it. You're like, dude, this guy is, is is he's such a crazy villain, but he's the kind of crazy villain you want to see what he does next. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, his performance in Age of Ultron was absolutely fantastic. We got to see him in this movie and it's absolutely fantastic. And I want to see more of him still. Like if they pulled some weird, you know, crazy, you know, multiverse stuff to pull him back into the story in some way, uh, I'd, I'd forgive it. I'd instantly go. Hold up. Yeah, I, I, I'd support that. Claw was in Ultron. Yeah, he was in Age of Ultron. He's the one that uh, sold uh, Ultron the va- vibranium for his body that became Vision. Huh? I must have forgot that scene. Yeah, he was the one in like the uh, abandoned shipyard kind of place where he was smuggling the vibranium through. Uh, they make a reference to it in mm. Black Panther with uh, at the beginning talking about how he had infiltrated uh, Wakanda and stolen a bunch of vibranium from them. And... Huh. It's been years since I saw Ultron. I I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah, it, it's a very small uh, part of the movie, but yeah, he is in that movie. That was his introduction in the MCU and kind of the pseudo nod to, hey, we're, we're going to do something with Wakanda. You know, they exist. You know, even with the main factors of uh, T'Challa and uh, Killmonger, it's like the supporting cast it is all hit too in this one, man. This all hits. You know, you got Lupita Nyong'o, you got Martin Freeman, you got uh, mm-hmm. Angela Bassett, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, Daniel K. I don't know how to say his last name, so I say Daniel K. Uh, Forrest Whitaker. Like, I mean, just the, the cast is dynamic in this, dude. It's loaded. They definitely went all out on the cast for this one. And everyone gets a moment to shine. Mm-hmm. Like even Forrest Whitaker, who I love Forrest, but I feel like, OK, Forrest is like, you know, he's like an elder in this movie. He might not get that many speaking roles. But when you get to that great realization, uh, that great reveal that he was there in the flashback when Kilmerger's dad died, I was like, oh, man, you know, like everyone gets a moment to shine in this. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I, I, I feel like that's a testament to um, the script and Coogler. And like, you know, like I said, he uses all his resources well, all of his actors well. And uh, man, we haven't even touched on the action, dude. Like there are some very great action scenes in this movie. Oh, yeah. The fight at the I guess it was the Korean casino where the deal was going mm-hmm. on with uh, yeah. Ross and Claw to sell the vibranium. Uh, that was a great scene that led into an amazing car chase. Uh, I love seeing kind of the technology of you have Shuri taking over a car remotely uh, to kind of do the ch- chase against Claw. Uh, you have Okoye using basically her staff to steer the hood of a car <laughs> down a road and everything like that. Uh, there's so many great uses of kind of the Wakanda technology to show just how advanced they were in these situations. Mm-hmm. And even like Claw is using mining equipment as a weapon just goes to show like how dangerous vibranium can be in the wrong hands even. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great action and all that. Great storyline, great character development. Uh, are you ready to talk about the ending? Uh, yeah, so uh, all the good things aside, uh, this movie <laughs> isn't perfect. <laughs> uh, like yeah. most Marvel movies, it divulged into, well, we can always CGI the ending, you know, and we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> and uh, apparently post never came. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. So what we got here is um, we, we, we got clashes between uh, the, the Dora Melahe and uh, who were the other soldiers that were trying that were like on Killmonger's side? Because at the time he was technically king. And uh, yeah, he, he had I'm trying to remember what the tribes are, um, but he had the tribe of the protectors behind him. Uh, he mm-hmm. also had the tribe of soldiers behind him, but he didn't have the King's Guard warriors behind him, which was Okoye's kind of uh, group. Okay. All right. So y- you got these people about to square off and you're going at it. And on the, and on the other hand, you got Killmonger and T'Challa fighting. I, I don't, that fight just did not satisfy me. It, it just, it, I, I felt like it was nice hand to hand combat, but it's like, you know, they're, they're fighting and like, the move that T'Challa like makes on him, I'm like, okay. And then they had Killmarker say, "Oh, you know, nice move." Would he say that? Yeah, it it, it, it fell know, off for the character that we knew up until that point. <laughs> right, because this guy is is badass. Like he is a bad mama jamma. I think he would try to throw one more swing and then fall, literally fall down fighting to the end. But to just, you know, go, hey, hey, nice move. Yeah. Like, all right. It, yeah, he gets stabbed by a vibranium spear, which, let's be honest, is going to hurt a lot. But at the same right. time, this is somebody that was an undercover CIA agent for years. He was a trained assassin, basically <laughs> everything. Uh, he had literally, I, I can't remember what it's actually called, but <laughs> where you uh, put, like, metal under your skin to raise the skin and everything he had that all over his body like he knew pain Mm, yeah he knew how to do deal with that and for him to just get stabbed and be like oh you bested me congratulations hero you win 
damn it, man. You, 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 you've won the day. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's what, that's what in your mind you go, all right, it's a Marvel movie. Right. I forgot. It's almost, it's not quite as bad, but almost on the same level of, oh, darn, you defeated me with the power of friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what kind of friend stabs somebody with a uranium uh, spear, but (laughs) yeah, to each his own. A true friend stabs you in the front. Right, yeah. I, I think Mark I think Mark Twain said that. Yeah. Um I mean I I ain't really got much else to say on this one. I'm I'm really geeked to talk about Wakanda forever, but uh you, you got anything else? Uh when it comes to this movie, it's just it is a namestay in the MCU. Uh it's Definitely. a namestay in superhero movies in general. It it made its mark and it still holds it even today. Uh yeah, beyond like we didn't touch on the soundtrack, but the sound design oh, yeah. and usage Ludwig, of that yeah. is absolutely fantastic, uh, which mm-hmm. still holds true for Wakanda Forever, which we'll get into. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it there. But yeah, it's it, this is a fantastic movie. I think we basically hit on the major points for it, though. Yeah, uh, for this one, man, this uh, is it, one of the best Marvel films I've ever seen. Uh, I give it a straight. I give it a four out of five. It's a four to me. Uh, th- this one's a four point five. It's basically everything up until that ending is on point. It is, you know, it's a new movie. It, it follows some tropes, but it follows those tropes very well. Uh, it's surprising in the way that it does things, and it, it's a namestay for the MCU. It's a movie that you you cannot skip when you're doing a rewatch of everything mm-hmm. to catch up to where you are today. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Uh, so that'll do that. You ready to move on? I am ready to move on. I will let you take the reins on this one. All right. Moving on man, to, uh, you know, one of the most anticipated films of the year. I told you, man, when it comes to Marvel, like, you know, I saw no way home. Great movie. I told you, man, I'm, I'm just waiting on that black Panther too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everything that brought up, you said, uh, Letitia Wright, uh, anti-vax claims. I don't care. I want Black Panther too. <laughs> <laughs> like, Letitia Wright, injury. Okay, I hope she gets better. Uh, I still need that Black Panther right. too. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I, I, I need that too, man. I, I was like, I was I was holding firm. And whenever it was going to come, I, I was ready for it. Yeah, basically, uh, you were reading headlines and going, something happens on production of Black Panther 2. Oh, man, I hope they can fix that, because I really want to see Black Panther 2. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Coogler has an anxiety attack. All right. I hope uh, I hope someone else can take over and right. give me Black Panther but, 2. But is he still working on Black Panther 2? I mean... <laughs> no, no, I mean, in all seriousness, this is a film I, 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 I think we both were uh, highly anticipating. Um, so Wakanda Forever uh, deals with um, the aftermath of the death of uh, T'Challa. So, of course, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, uh, died in real life. Um, you know, in this film, they're uh, treating it as if T'Challa died as well. So Wakanda is putting, a, putting the pieces back together one year after uh, T'Challa's death. Um, as of now, um, their mother, uh, played by um, <clears throat> Angela Bassett, uh, uh, Ramonda, she's in charge right now. She, she's the queen. Um, the king is dead. She's the queen. Shuri is staying as um, the, the princess. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. She's staying as the princess and she's just focusing on work, you know, work, you know, trying to keep Wakanda a better place. You know, just she, she, she's she's burying her mind in her work, fighting off her grief of the death of her brother. So we have that. And we also have these new um, villains, uh, which don't come off that way at first. Uh, but uh, uh, these civil, the civilization of underwater dwelling, underwater dwelling people, which funny joke I heard from a critic on Twitter, like, dude, it's just unfair to show the trailer for Avatar 2 before this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with, all the, with all the water scenes in this movie, it's just unfair. But um uh, you know, you got this guy uh, who it's a city underwater called uh, Tolokan, and you have this man called Namor. Uh, uh, they refer to him as the god Kukuklan. Uh, Kukuklan. What do they call him? Kuku Klan. Kuku Klan. And Kuku Klan has offers the the Wakandans a deal. They say, um, he says to them, hand over the scientists that, you know, they went back to America to pick up that um, invented uh, uh, some stuff that uh, the Wakandans need. Or um, I'm still a little stuck on her whole role in this. Like she, she created something that the Wakandans. Um, can you explain this part for me? Because I'm still stuck on that part of the plot. I still don't get that. So like, like, the general reason for Riri Williams yeah. And so what had happened is uh, Riri is a very intelligent person that had f- created a way to detect vibranium. And the CIA mm-hmm. took that and was using it to try and find vibranium outside of Wakanda because, you know, Ramonda made it very clear that they will okay. not share it vibranium with the rest of the world. So, and use it for anything outside of Wakanda. Uh, other countries, of course, are kind of very wary of this. You know, you have the whole scene with France that's kind of going, well, if you're controlling it, we should have some too to be able to protect ourselves in case you decide to use it against us. You know, that right. whole like, it, basically vibranium is used as the analogy for nuclear weapons in the MCU, more or less. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. well, if you have some, I need some, because what if you decide to use yours? And... So with that, they steal the technology that is able to use or be able to detect vibranium and using it, they find some in the ocean, which causes Namor to get uh, antsy because all of a sudden there's people from the land treading on his, you know, underwater uh, village and stuff. And if they start trying to drill for vibranium, they might find the land of Talakan, a.k.a. Atlantis which would put everything that he protects at jeopardy. So he wants the scientist that created this so he can kill her. This way they can't find vibranium. They can't find his world of Atlantis under the sea and he can stay safe. Pretty much. So, um, yeah. So, uh, he makes a deal with them saying, Hey, you have the scientist. Um, you know, if you give the scientist to me and let me kill her, so she can't create anything or they can't get their hands on anything she's created to come find us. Um, you know, I will ally with you, uh, Wakandans. And, um, you know, we can, uh, you know, uh, be great allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, we have, uh, I love this line. He says, we have just as many soldiers as, as you have grass. Yeah. Right? And, he sa- and he says, like, and if you want to go to war, uh, it, it, it's, it's on you. 
So the 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 the, the moment he shows up, he like goes past their defenses and just pops up out the water, apocalypse now style. And he's like, man, you just have, you have this place is great. Yeah. I love what you got here. Like the, the trees, the water. Like you know, I've never seen like, a land so cared for by its own people. The water is perfectly clean. You know, the grass right. is growing phenomenally. Everything is green, the perfect colors. I love it. You got a great place here. Uh, but yeah, meanwhile, you have Sherry and Ramona sitting in, you know, off the beach, kind of just go- freaking out because somebody has breached. They got the spears pointed. Right. They're like, yeah. how did you get here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think in a nutshell, that's what the film is about as a brief synopsis. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. All right. So getting into it, man, let me just say first off, dude, uh, in comparison to the first film, uh, one of the things I noticed that just works so much in this film's favor is that it's gorgeous, man. This film is gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's we're going through one of the cities in Wakanda, whether we're going through the city of Atlantis or Talakan, uh, even kind of going through some of like the more rural areas in the U.S. behind the scenes and kind of like the government offices and everything. Uh, the courtroom scene... I absolutely loved it. The ship kind of scene where you had the French soldiers attacking the, uh, or I guess it was the Wakandan Science Center off the coast of somewhere. Science, it's called a science center? I, I think it was a scientific research center. Oh, okay. Science center sound like a place you go to you know, on a field trip or something. I, I think that's what it was supposed to be. It, it was kind of going based on oh, like the okay. same idea that uh, T'Challa said at the end of Black Panther, where he wanted to open up centers where people could learn about Wakanda's cultures and technologies uh, it, mm. within every country of the world to better gotcha. understand them. Uh, so I think it, that's one of the places. Um I think that's kind of one of my like only little nitpicks about the movie when it came to like traveling to other places is they kept throwing that text in the bottom of like, hey, now you're in this place, you know, in this country, and now you're in this city, in this country, and the movie jumps around so much that you're like, I can't remember any of the places outside of like Wakanda and Talakan specifically. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I think that's just letting you know where you at. Like, right. you know, I don't I have a problem with that. Um, oh, a lot of I movies do you... it. And it's the same thing like with most movies where they do it. And it's like, okay, but how important do I need to know exactly where we are at this point? Okay. I, <laughs> it's pretty important because if you're in the United States and people are talking American and you're, in some, you're somewhere else and people are talking Portuguese, you're like, okay, are we still in America? Yeah. <laughs> are, we still, are we still in New York? I then in the scene and then the movie goes out of nowhere. Oh, it, uh, we're in Portugal right now. Yeah, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, um, dude. Uh, speaking about that courtroom scene, man, like Angela Bassett. Now again, she she uh she had um everyone had their time to shine in the first film, but in this one, dude, she is so terrific in that courtroom scene, and just like her dealing with her grief and trying to just keep it all together as the queen when dealing with the fact that you, you lost your son, you know what I'm saying? You lost your mm-hmm. heir. Uh, she, she makes, she conveys that very well in this film that those complicated emotions. 
Oh, yeah, because she's dealing with loss in her family, uh, the loss of her king, and the loss of their protector all in one. So and she had to take over for all affairs, and she realizes the world sees Wakanda as weak now. Even though they're seen as a threat, they're seen as weak, and she wants to make it clear Wakanda is not weak. You know, it, no matter what you think, just because they lost their protector does not mean that Wakanda is unguarded. And I love how she's doing this while we're kind of flashing back to a part where we have the French military uh, trying to take vibranium from a uh, Wakandan scientific center of some kind uh, where they are supposedly holding some of it, only to reveal that uh, within the vault is Okoye and the rest of the guards for Wakanda ready to basically strike upon the threat of like trying to take something from Wakandans and bringing the soldiers in and kind of going, I'm not going to say who, but somebody has tried to siege on Wakandan territory and take what right. is ours and then proceeds to, you know, have a speak French to tell them to kneel and, you know, turns to the, uh, you know, the French representative and go, I, I have your soldiers here. We, we've returned them to you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you <know. laughs> yeah, that's such a great moment, dude. I, I, I loved it. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty great. Uh, but I wanted to say, dude, uh, so Angela Bassett, very strong in this one. Um, Letitia Wright, who as the film goes on, I like how it takes its time pushing her to the forefront. You know, mm -hmm. she's not focused on being Black Panther. She's not even focused really on being Shuri. She's just focused on keeping her mind focused and away from the fact that she lost her big brother. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She, she's trying to push her grief away. And I like how the film, it, it tackles that, it tackles how this can be complex. You know what I mean? And there's this one key line in the film that I think is just such a, a great moment. Uh, where she says to her mom, where they're sitting by the fireplace before, right before Namor uh, shows up, and she's like, um, she's like, you know how I feel. I I want to burn the world and everyone in it. Like that's how I feel, you know, when I when I think about my brother and him being dead. And that's a very strong emotion, dude. And I like how we 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 cut back into that when um, later on in the film. I'm gonna jump around a little bit just to explain how I feel about her and her performance. Right. Um, we get the surprise guest appearance of Killmonger. And uh, when she's in the realm, uh, the spirit realm. Uh, so everybody, I, I, I was talking to some people and they're like, dude, I'm telling you, Killmonger's coming back. I'm like, he died. It's like, oh, well, he could, he could end up in the water and he could uh, come across those folks and they could revive him. I was like, well, I mean, I ain't gonna say it's not possible, but he died, you know. So, you know, so people was everyone kept saying, "Dude, Killmonger's coming back." He was just too good of a character, so he does come back, and he is still dead. Um, but I like how he challenges her in this in this in the spirit realm, where she expects to see her mother or her brother, and he shows up and he says, um, "Listen, uh, these people are coming, and they're coming to kill you and everyone else in your land." Uh, are, are you going to uh, be noble and peaceful like your brother? Or are you going to do like me and handle business? And I like, I love how he says it in, in such a douchey way, but 
instead, but it's Killmonger. So you you understand where he's coming from, and it ain't like he's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I like how Leticia she handles these conflicting emotions of push and pull that she's dealing with this whole time, even when she steps into the Black Panther role. So I I, I feel like from a lead performance type, um, she handles this pretty well. Yeah, especially when they're bringing in Killmonger and what he's saying is he's basically even connecting with her on the same level as where T'Challa dealt with the death of his father and Mm -hmm. he decided to, you know, allow his father's killer to live. He tracked him down, Baron Zemo, and allowed him to live where he's now in prison and everything like that. Uh, But with when Shuri takes it be- after the death of her mother, Ramonda, uh, Killmonger comes in and basically says, look, you want revenge just like I did. You can't let your mother's killer live being no more. So mm-hmm. it, it he plays very well into that idea of her being something different than T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I like uh, even later on, where we cut back to that scene, she tells him, I'm not my brother. And let me just say, this film is unpredictable. I I, I think this is one of the more unpredictable Marvel films I've ever seen. And the most of that's because I did not know where this was going, dude. Mm -hmm. And that was a good thing. I was like, okay, this is a new world. It's kind of a downer, but that's, that's, that's the point. You know, grief can be a downer. You know what I mean? Like, like, like dealing with loss can be a downer. So there's a point why this film is darker than the first one. But I, I like how as we're traveling through it, um, this film really threw me for a loop. I did not know what was going to happen next. Like Namor, uh, speaking about him as a villain, dude, I didn't think you could top Killmonger in, in the Black Panther series. But damn, is he a good villain? He is like, absolutely he was a fantastic. very well-written villain. Yes. He was a well-written, well-acted villain, dude. Like, his whole origin sequence was fantastic. It, yeah, I absolutely agree. It's He comes off as threatening. Uh, he comes off as very civilized and kind of, like, down-to-earth as well. Like, he's here to protect his people. Uh, he's not looking to cause trouble or anything like that. And But at the same time, he, like we said earlier, he commands the army of the ocean. Mm-hmm. He literally has more people willing to fight for his cause than any country alone does. And with that, his people are also warriors. It's not like he has farmers and he has, you know, shopkeepers and everything like that. He is a nation of warriors that are ready to strike at any given time with more people in it than most countries have total population. Mm-hmm. You know, it, when they're kind yeah. of going through and we see Everett Ross kind of going, you know, there's there's another threat out there and everybody's going, what, like another Thanos threat? And it's like, I don't know, you know, where it right. is, where it's coming from. And yeah, Atlantis is that it's it's a Thanos level threat, but it's already here. <laughs> right. Like you have to give me time to figure this out. Right. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know if you won't give me time. Um, I like how he says that. Uh, yeah, dude, Namor is such a great villain, dude. And there's moments where, and again, there's a balance of tone here 
Like, like I, there was one line that was such a Marvel moment, but I, I, I loved it because it was the right kind of Marvel moment where um, Shuri says to him, she says, listen, just take me where you live. I, let me see the city. I, I want to see the city. Uh, if you go down there, the, the pressure of the water will be so intense that it will break every bone in your body. And you see her look a little concerned and he says, or you can just wear a suit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I like how. I, I like how that's such a Marvel joke, like 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 easing the tension with a joke, but it's played so well. Yeah, because it is he comes off as very threatening, but again, he's a very charismatic threatening. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He's definitely charismatic. Um yeah, the the actor who played him, uh Tanach uh Herta uh Mihia just did a great job. And the scene where of Ramon Ramonda's death, dude. I did not see that coming. No, that one came as a huge shock. Uh, I didn't expect them to play that role with this movie because they already were playing with uh, the death of T'Challa. So I didn't expect them to then bring another death in to really push Shuri over the edge because I think she was already on sitting on the edge, so to speak. Definitely. And Definitely. with the death of her mother, it, she nosedived right into the path of revenge, where she no longer saw Namor as a person as she had come to know him as prior to that. And he was full on enemy at that point. It's going from Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader at this point. Yes. Because um, if you put any of us in that situation, you lose your brother and your mama. Mm-hmm. That that's That's rough. That's rough. And that's why I say Leticia did such a great job because it's not easy to 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 convey those complicated emotions um, in a character. But yeah, man, her definitely got me, dude. And Namor, oh that line, he's like, he's like, bury your dead, get prepared, we're coming back. Yeah, I was like, dude, that's a mic drop right mm. there. Yeah, wow. talk about you know perfect villains within the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, Namor is on the list, uh, absolutely. And yeah, he was I think great. the best part is he's not even really a villain. Uh, he's just basically the commander of a giant army, and he wants to protect them, and mm. he will protect them at all costs. You know, he sees death as the between of safety and uh, being in danger. So if there's going to be death, it's going to be on the side where he's the safe one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I said, he, he's one of those villains that you understand he's justified. His yes. reasons are justified. You know, I mean, I think that makes him a strong Marvel villain. Uh, one of the best Marvel villains I've seen since Thanos. So, yeah, I, I like him. But um, I was going to say something about so Everett Ross. You know, I I always like it every time I can tune in with Martin Freeman, you know, but I feel like, dude, this movie is long. And I feel like a lot of his scenes, even though I love Julia Dreyfus, too, they could have been cut. Like, Uh, for those scenes scenes, weren't needed. uh, They were more set up for the future of the MCU because she's taking over. So think of... uh, who is it? Uh, Nick Fury's role with Shield. She's that uh, role for the CIA in the American go- or the U.S. government, where she's okay. building a team 
and she's taking over power from basically every group that exists within the United States at this point, because there's now a power vacuum with Nick Fury gone and shield being completely erased more or less because of the events of uh, Captain America two, where mm. it was revealed that it's really Hydra in disguise. So she's here taking in that power vacuum. So that was all kind of showing her power rise in little snippets. So when we see more of it, most likely in Thunderbolts, uh, it's going to make more sense. Uh, I understand all that. S- save that for another movie. Because <laughs> like, just, like, just put that, take those scenes and put them in another movie. Like, I, I just felt like it just took away from the movie. Like, I, used, I liked Everett Ross when he was within Wakanda helping mm-hmm. them fight. And, you know, like meeting Shuri and everybody and all that. Like, I like Everett when he's when he's um, interacting with the Wakandan nation, not just as his regular Joe Schmo life. Like, oh, he's talking with his ex-wife and, you know, oh, sexual innuendo talk. I, I don't know. I just felt it was just distracting. It, it definitely is kind of an outlier to the rest of the story, uh, especially since it felt like they. Go on. It, it felt like they were meeting a it, like it felt like they were meeting a Marvel con- uh, continuity quota. Yeah, that's more or less what it was. It, it basically was there just to allude to future of the MCU in other parts outside of Wakanda and how even Wakanda's you know interference with everything that's going on is affecting how other governments are perceiving them and threats to their nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, all right, well, so much more to talk about here, man. Dude, the music, the music is so it, it hits so much harder in this film. Like Ludwig is playing around with a dynamic of sound design in this movie, dude. Right, because you have the sound design of Wakanda, you have the sound design of uh, Talakan, Atlantis, you have everything that's going on right. underwater, everything above land, uh, you have the usage of sound for the emotional depth of everything with death, uh, with overcoming kind of travesty. And yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal how the range of sound works throughout the entire movie, whether it's happy, sad, you know, underwater themed, it's coming to the cultural aspects of Wakanda. It, it all blends in so well. And you, and, you, and in between, you keep hearing that chup, chup, chup. Yes. Like, I, was, I like that, man. That was cool. Yeah, the this movie if nothing else, better get nominated for sound design when it comes to like Oscar season in some regard, because the sound design is just so on point throughout the entire thing. I think the sound design is good. I think the music score is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The sound, the sound was on point. Uh, the underwater scenes uh, were beautiful, man. Like uh, it, 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 like I said, it ain't, it's not fair. That Avatar two <laughs> trailer plays before this movie, but I just the underwater scenes are so beautiful when she's traveling with Namor in his homeland. Like it's it's just it's it's a beautiful sequence. Yeah, it's it has the same tone as uh, Aquaman did, where they create this underwater world and it feels like it works properly. 
So you have the tunnels of the underwater that let you kind of flow through a lot faster. People are riding by on whales and other aquatic life. You have, you know, people wearing... I'm trying to think of what to call them, but they're basically the breathing tubes filled with water so they can survive on land and everything like that. And right. see how these people survive underwater where they have their markets, you know, where they're, you know, exchanging for food and everything like that. And everything kind of flows. Everything's floaty. It looks so nice. And you kind of really believe everything's floaty it is it, it they did it very well where it's like everything underwater feels like it's underwater right right yeah i agree i agree um i gotta say i uh as far as like okay okay because last battle uh so last battle uh what'd you think i thought it was a very very much a, a step up from what we saw in the first film uh Oh, from Black Panther? Absolutely a step up. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's probably one of the better ones within the MCU as a whole when it comes to mm-hmm. giving us that ending battle that feels like there are consequences to what's going on. Because you have yeah. Shuri fighting against Namor and Talakan as a whole by literally going, hey, here we are in your domain. Let's go. And you have Namor obviously is on like the same level of power as like Thor, the Hulk. Uh, M'Baku even makes a joke about it where it's like, really, you, you'd go up against the Hulk because that's what you're doing. You're basically calling forth the greatest power in the universe and going, here I am. Come punch me. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man, that slow motion scene where he punches M'Baku. Oh, I was yeah. Like, man, you felt that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just sitting there like, <laughs> yeah, Mbaku, the, the guy that was going toe to toe with T'Challa, in you know, basically is seen as one of the powerhouses of Wakanda outside of the Black Panther mantle, and probably without the Black Panther, the strongest person in Wakanda, literally just one punch getting knocked out by Namor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that final battle is great, man. I love that moment where Namor like stabs uh, uh, Shuri, and I, I, there was a moment when my my wife was next to me, gripping my arm like, "No, not her too." <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, uh, it was a great moment. Like I said, it's unpredictable, but I like that moment where she looks up and she sees her mother. No, no that's later. But uh, she decides to to fight back. She, she chops off the thing, chops off the spear, pushes herself off of it. Namor is just like, you know, he, he's basically dying right now. Mm-hmm. He needs water. And uh, there's a moment where she's about to kill him. In the back of my mind, I know she's not going to do it. But in the front of my mind, I'm like, that would be a game changer if she she's a more fierce, resilient Black Panther. But I know that's not the Wakandan way. So, you know, her mom comes in just in time. Where were you when she was stabbed? Right. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, like, hey, uh, show him how we are. Yeah. And, you know, she decides to let him live and say, all right, call off your soldiers. You know, uh, you no, know, she asked him to yield and he mm-hmm. yields. And she says, all right, call off your soldiers and we can live in peace. Um, you know, so the, so that happens. And I think that's a really great moment because it doesn't sacrifice the 
the overall formula of Marvel, but it it doesn't it it doesn't sacrifice that uh, while also not sacrificing the film's integrity. You know? Right. There was always a message in this movie, and it was there has to be a between point between full on revenge and just letting everything go. And it was a theme in the first Black Panther where you had T'Challa going between having everything hidden from the world versus being a powerhouse in the world and having to make that choice. Shuri had to deal with a different decision. And but at the same time, she had to find that middle ground between the two. You know, you had the ideas of T'Challa and you had the ideals of Killmonger and she was going in the side of one, but slowly kind of converge into the center ground between the two. And mm-hmm. she had to find that on her own without the assistance of everybody else in her family, because she is by herself at this point. She is the last remaining royalty of the Wakandan empire. So she had to deal with everything with the death of her family, the threat of another nation coming in, you know, coming in going, we're going to wipe you out after having Mm. seen for a fact, they are capable of doing that. And, deciding what to do in order to retaliate because as Mbaku says, look, you can give up this woman, but they're going to come back. What's, what's going to be the next thing they ask for. And then the thing after that, you know, are we going to become slaves to these people in meeting every demand that they have, or are we going to fight back? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So what I would say uh, in, in terms of the film's dedication to Chadwick, uh, it's very tastefully done. I like how we begin with the funeral for T'Challa, you mm-hmm. know, like 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 a, um, a, 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 and we um, we end in a way where it's still a it, it, it's Shuri's personal goodbye to T'Challa. But it's also our goodbye to Chadwick. You know, we see scenes of Chadwick's uh, uh, as uh, T'Challa smiling, you know, walking around like the, you know, the, the noble king he is hugging his sister, you know, showing love to his sister. But it's also the film itself saying, you know, like, hey, we miss you, Chadwick. You know, you, you know, you're, you are the Black Panther to us. And I think those are those are great, quiet moments, man. Oh, the, yeah. The, the they way definitely, it begins and the way it ends. Yes. They 100 uh, percent go in saying, like, thank you to Chadwick Boseman for his role in the previous movies and everything he's done especially with that intro for the Marvel logo where it's mm-hmm. all Black Panther Chadwick Boseman oriented and we yeah. see it it's the kind of same thing that they did for I want to say it was Captain Marvel that did the homage to Stan Lee where the entire thing yeah. was just replaced with Stan Lee cameos and it's done very tastefully very well done we come right into the movie starting off with you know T'Challa is dying and his death followed by the funeral and his family figuring everything out. And even at the ending scene, when we finally have uh, Shuri going through with the ritual of uh, his family to lay down their uh, grieved clothes and burn them to allow themselves to now start a new life beyond what uh, they had with that person as a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, before I get into the the end credit scene, dude, this film is too long, dude. It is a very long movie. I didn't realize how long it was until, you know, I looked at the time after it had ended. 
I really think some of this could have been cut. Like I like I said, like I told you the Everett Walsh thing. I know it's setting some stuff up. I know it's it's the long game that Marvel plays. I kind of feel like that should have been like in another movie or something. Like I, all of those scenes, e- even the Wakandans like saving him in the end from going to prison. Uh, it's long, dude. Some some of this could have been cut. Like um, I like Riri. I like Riri scenes and and her interacting with the Wakandas and stuff. Like I feel like that's a nice setup for what her ca- character becomes, which is Ironheart, right? Yes. Something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I like all of that, but I don't know, man. S- some of this, I feel like. Okay, conversation about the Chala. Uh, oh, this person comes on. Okay, conversation about the Chala. You know, speaking with uh, Nakia. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we, we miss you. Oh, yeah, I miss y'all, too. Okay, something important happens. I feel like, I don't know, it, it should have been like a tighter edit on this film because I feel like some it didn't need to be this long. There was a lot of drawn-out dialogue in this movie yeah. that could have been cut up a little bit better. Like, I get that they were trying to push that, like, emotional impact and everything like that, and they didn't get into, like, overly preachy when it came to anything, which is very good, but at the same yeah. time, they got really close to the line in some scenes, and especially the ones with uh, Nakia, where she was kind of trying to figure out where Shuri could be, trying to figure out everything about Namor and everything. It, those scenes kind of dragged a little bit. Uh, everything yeah. with uh, Ramonda dealing with Nakia and everything, that scene went on pretty long. Uh even the scene introducing Riri as a character went on a little bit long. Uh, I love the scene in the garage and everything like that, but you know, it's yeah, there's, there's a handful of scenes that really could have been toned down to maybe 75% of what it was, or maybe even half of how much dialogue there was in it. Because I love when movies do a show, don't tell and this one had a lot to show, but it also decided to tell a lot. A lot to tell. Yeah. A lot to tell. Yeah, definitely. Like, I like that it put the power in the hands of the women with this film. Mm. I feel like that's very powerful. I like that. Um, but I just, I, I feel like there was a lot of lingering going on. And I'm like, all right, let's 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 kind of move on. Like, I, there was so much set piecing happening that I was mm. like, well, let's let's get to the main course. You know, yeah. like, you know, let's let's wrap it up a little here. Um yeah, so you got that uh, post-credit scene. What'd you think? Uh, so for me, I liked it. I, I thought it was a touching way to kind of be like, here's where the future of our movies are going to go. Here's what we're mm-hmm. looking to accomplish, and here's what we're looking to do. And here's the answer to everybody going, well, what are you going to do about T'Challa? Uh, where introducing his son as a character that has kind of secretly been around since probably around the time of Black Panther when him and Nakia were, you know, reunited. And that's that's powerful. I like that because it kind of shows yeah. us that T'Challa's legacy is not gone, especially considering there's everything with Shuri's character possibly not coming back to the MCU, uh, where that would be the end of the, I guess, lineage of the Wakandan royalty. And mm-hmm. I especially love that uh, M'Baku, when, you know, the, the, the 
what was it? The aircraft comes in. It's like the queen of Wakanda is here. And M'Baku comes out and goes, the queen sends her regards. So who will challenge me for the throne? And it's like, oh, thank God. Finally. Uh, Cause he's such a great character. I absolutely love his character in ever since the, it was the question of like, who was going to take over as the black Panther came up after the uh, passing of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, M'Baku was at the top of my list for taking that over because his character is so great. Uh, the way that he has a different perspective I, on Wakanda and everything, even. I like M'Baku as M'Baku, though. Uh, he's not he's not he's not T'Challa. No, he's not T'Challa. But him taking over as like the leader of Wakanda, I, I think, gives them a lot of room to play with some new ideas for a third movie. I don't look at him as a leader, though. Of, of his land, yes. Mm-hmm. But all of Wakanda, I don't, I don't I don't know if I see that from him. I, I like, think that's where it has an interesting, you know, dichotomy to it, where... It, he's they, a nice right-hand man. Yeah. I, I think so. But it you know, gives I, I hear, them a lot to play with for another movie, with him as the leader. Like, he doesn't have to stay the leader, but starting off with him being the Black Panther... Uh, even going into like future movies where the Black Panther appears and it's M'Baku and it's this character that nobody else knows and is this unknown to them, but they know the Black Panther kind of role in Wakanda. I, I, I like that. It's it's something that's unexpected that they can play with in any direction. There's no way to tell how they're going to go with it. I think... Um with the passing of Chadwick Boseman and uh, Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole needing to come up with a fresh new idea with the, with the unexpected death and not having to recast, uh, not choosing not to recast that role. Uh, I think, I think this is pretty well done for what it, for what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. It it is a little long. It's longer than it needs to be, but I think it's a very, it's a very well done film and it has more good qualities than bad. I'm, I'm stuck between a 3.5 and a 4, so I'm 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 going to hit the middle and say 3.7. Uh, <laughs> uh 3.7256. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh I say 3.5. It's a 3.5 for me. This this one's a 4 for me. I I love a lot okay. of aspects of it. Uh the fact that we are missing Chadwick Boseman is felt in this movie, but they yeah, definitely the go around the line very well. So, like you said, without going through and recasting, without dealing with any of that, they took a road that most companies would not take when it comes to a movie like this and a franchise like this, and they decided to play into it and... It wasn't expected. There's no way they could have prepared, you know, plans for this movie prior to his death to incorporate that. So you know that they already had ideas for what they wanted to do with this movie, and then they had to switch them around. And instead of playing the easy route, they decided to take the challenge of going, we lost our lead main for this series, but we're going to continue it on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. Hmm. So I take it you you like the original. Uh, uh, we we both like the original better than this one. Uh, overall, yes. There's a lot I like about the second one that I wish they would have done better with the original. Like the ending fight scene is absolutely phenomenal. Everything like yeah. that. But the original had a very unique 
kind of uh, feeling to it that mm. this one didn't. This one did a great job at the emotional impact and everything like that, but it didn't feel outside of most Marvel movies the same way that Black Panther kind of like came in was like, no, 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 we're a part of the MCU, but we're not necess- you know, necessarily a direct MCU movie. It was the same as Guardians coming out, and everybody was like, this is a part of the MCU. It's not following the formula. It's it's not doing what I expect it to do. And right. you know, the same reason why everybody loved Thor Ragnarok. It, it came out of nowhere and was like, yeah, we're a part of the MCU. But uh, yeah, the rule book, we kind of lost that while we were making the movie, and we just were going for it anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this Wakanda Forever kind of went, oh, yeah, we got to hit these points. We have to incorporate the scenes that lead up to new movies in the MCU. We have to do this. We had to add these parts into it. And while it did a lot of it well, some of it were missteps that I think held it back. The whole Everett Ross plot. Yeah. (laughs) was was a misstep. It should have been a different movie. Um, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah, Black Panther was just so fresh and original at the time and, uh, so much energy and all the pieces were in place. Like, well, kind of forever, you're missing the large piece of Chadwick. And again, that's part of the point. It's about mm-hmm. loss. Um, it's a great film on its own, but compared to the first one, it just doesn't match that, that experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like better villain, uh, uh, be- better soundtrack, better sound, but I don't know if it's a. I, I, I it's it's hard to say that because they put so much work into this movie. But the first one is just like it. it it's a it's staple. The original. It's the original. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um. Yeah. So I guess that that wraps it up there. Uh. Before we get out of here, have you seen anything new? Uh. Yeah, I, I've been kind of seeing a couple movies. So first off, the Weird Al movie for Roku came out, and uh, I had to watch that day one, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Remember? Oh, yeah, we'll go into that one. But I have seen that Each one. Episode, yeah. And I also went and saw the new One Piece movie. I have a buddy that's really into One Piece. and He was like, yeah, let's go see it. And I know nothing about One Piece aside from like some of the character names and everything like that. I'm about thousand plus episodes off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm only, I don't know how many episodes there are, but I'm that many episodes behind (laughs) on that one. Okay. Uh, You like it? I enjoyed it. It was good. And especially because it does rely on you knowing everything about the series to be able to enjoy the movie. It does a good job of like explaining the characters a little bit and the things that you need to know from the movie while also, I'm guessing it has a lot of nods to the series and everything like that. Like, I know my buddy was gleeful at certain scenes, and I was just like, yeah, okay, that, that looked cool. And he's like, oh, my God, they did the thing. And I'm like, yeah, that, that was pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, all right, cool. Nothing new with me on the movie side. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm interested to talk about Weird Al on our next episode. Oh, yeah. And, uh, comparing that with uh, UHF. Yeah, but uh, I guess that'll do it. Uh, y'all remember to like, share, and subscribe. Um, tell us what you like, what you don't like. It's been another great episode of DFV, and uh, y'all take care.